Welcome to another West March Guys podcast. I'm JT. I'm Joe. I'm AJ. And as always, I'm Sean. And we are still tearing into Tasha's. We're getting into our part four, four. which is going to be getting into group patrons to, to start us off. And we're going to try and get through spells as well. So let's get into group patrons. We were just talking right before we started. John took his group patron and how he interprets it. And then we're going to get into the ones in the book. I look at group patrons as just somebody who is basically like a go-to. It's almost your MacGuffin, if you will. Can be um, like a main NPC. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's Shoal. It is the concierge of the hotel that you're staying at. He is the answer to everything. He kind of like keeps the group focused. And at any point in time, he could be like, y'all are going here today. Yeah, because, I mean, you, really, it's just like and when we get to the door, if it's important, Shoal just goes, oh, by the way, here's a bunch of letters that say go do this. So, it's uh, yeah, I can totally see it's, he is. Um, so, it's also the connector to, hey, I really want to find a metallurgist or I really want to find a new alchemist. I will look into that. You know, it's a it's a concierge. When you go to a hotel and you're spending, like, in the upper classes, you, you go to somebody, and you, like, you, that's their job is to find you what you want. It really breaks it down to Intasha's pretty much any way you want to go about it. I mean, they're talking about a concierge of the hotel, but there's crime syndicates they break into. They break into academies. They get into different types of guilds. I mean, if you played any kind of World of Warcraft, there's always guilds that basically military force. I mean, that's easy enough. It just puts into perspective a more reliable source for your players to have something to do together and a reason to be together. In Joe's, it's the Slayer's take. You know, it's just a, it's a, it's a thing that your players can always go to. Yeah. So for the, for my evil characters, I have demon lords that check in on them every once in a while to make sure that, you know, they're doing their evil bidding and every once in a while, give them like a kick in the ass to go do something else. But, and as always, Tasha's breaks down great specific tasks. If you want, if you don't want to have to think of it yourself, every, all through this chapter of group patrons, it gives you stuff to do. If you like for you, there's a lord or maybe there's a sovereign contact on here with a sovereign table, sovereign friend or lover, aids and compares like anything you can think of. Of course, it's broken down through Tasha's, which is why we love it so modified. So you can modify it so well. And at the end, of course, as being your own patron, I kind of like that. For me, I I really like the thing that sticks out to me the most is the idea of like perks, the idea that like a way to encourage your players to kind of play as a group. It's something that ties them together other than just being like you met at a bar. And now you're best friends, right? The end. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. Like so you're all a guild. Yeah. And so the way that you could do that is like a number of ways. But like, uh, I know that there is a huge section on boons in one of the books. So you could look at it like, you know, if it's, you know, let's say like a divine god is guiding your group that, you know, once they hit like a certain amount of like renowned, their god bestows to them. Like maybe they get like a dark vision up to like, 30 feet or something like that. So they would get a little bit of a bonus for being like, Hey, you worked, you worked well together and you haven't died. So here you go. And then that'll kind of like lead them to, you just, you know, keep buying into the whole group patron 
sort of thing. And then another one of the things before I forget, when John said that like for you specifically, it's like the concierge. I think what uh, like JT, like uh, when he was going through like the different types is when you're doing or thinking about a group patron, think about the setting that you're in. What would make sense for that setting? Like if you're in Ravnica, a concierge is a perfect way because it's a huge bustling city. It matches the environment. Uh, like even for New Dork City, you could have like the, de the detective agency. So you have like that could act as a group patron. So when you're doing it, give some thought to the setting that you're in and just kind of like think about like what would be believable in this. And that way uh, it'll just kind of help with the immersion of your players kind of fighting into it. Perfectly said. I love it. Yeah, and that brings us to what part. I'm really most excited for, the mass Magical Miscellany, which really just breaks in spells. And some of these are cool. I mean, we're not going to touch on every single spell in here. And a lot of them, I mean, like Green Flame, Green Flame Blade, of course, have been around for a while. So, I mean, I'm sure in different versions or online as well. Wait, that's in these, there? Why would, yeah. It's, is, did it get changed? Um, I, I did not see that part. Hold on. Booming Blade, Green Flame Blade are also in it. It's Artificer is why it's in here. The ones that are new, which right on the right off the bat, the Blade of Disaster, ninth level Conjuration. I just opened the book and I started reading it through the list. And you started at the top, of course. Oh, why not, man? I, I didn't realize the first spell was ninth level. It looks awesome. I mean, it's just if you it's crit, the beat, but you yeah. get twelve d twelve force damage on this thing. At ninth, I mean, and it goes through anything. That, that's okay. Yeah, it goes through anything. Ah, oh, that's cool. Anyway, it's, it's funny because the spell that I'm sure AJ wants to talk about, and it's one of the ones that I'm just are just seriously dreading, is a first level spell, and it's Tasha's Caustic Brew. Ooh, this I was looking at spell that. Spell is mean at a first level. And if you're gonna go off of like relatability to our session, we were able to strategically funnel our enemies through like a five foot wide hallway. And I was able to use that and get at least two or three of them. And I mean, actually is so little damage though, but it dude, it's the fact that they have to, if they don't remove it, they have to spend an action to remove it. So you get basically, oh, action economy. That's weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. It's, it is King. So like it, the fact that it does it a whole, like you can get like, if you line it up, you can get like, you know, six people. So, yep. Good. They had a they had a bottleneck, which was just a five foot wide hallway for I think it was six or seven squares. Yeah, and did it, it happen to you? Long did, enough did it so that I you? Yeah, it was it was the dungeon that I ran them through. Right, that was one of the hallways <laughs> that I led. Uh, it was a it was a giant room with that. seven monsters. Um, they were all you know whatever. If they would have fully walked into the room, it would have sucked for them. Which yeah, is that would have been a problem. Which is what they did, and they purposely. Not that I would assume that they would have done that, but yeah, they funneled them all out but yeah it's a fun spell and like any spell that they're we're going to talk about is uh well because there also is a section for same with tasha's mind whip though with actually sorry i'm just looking at the next one over it takes it on its next turn you must it must choose whether it gets a move an action or a bonus action and it's a second level spell so you're not only doing damage you're again taking well lace away spell slots anyway sorry or no action slots my fault that's but. even better the rest of the spells are really summons some in Fae, some in Shadow Spawn, some in Dead. And it, it really just braces across a bunch of levels, which is cool to have your summon spells actually somewhere. Kind of gives you some more flavor to it because yep. you, it's like, oh, it's no longer just summon, summon elementals or demons. Now I get to like, I get which to more is cool, cool stuff. 
and they really break it down more specifically too, so you get more direct of what you're looking for, which I like. Like you guys have said, cool stuff. Tasha's otherworldly guys is kind of fun. That's the one that stuck out to me. Out all of them. It's just so like it looks like so much fun. I mean, it's level six, it. but like, I'm, not, I'm not looking at it. You basically become like an angel or a demon. Oh, like, nice. You gain all of these benefits. Yep. Yep. Immune to fire and poison or radiant necrotic. You're immune to poison or charmed. Spectral links. You can fly for 40 feet plus two AC. All your weapons are magical. You can use a, your spell casting ability modifier instead of your strength for attacks. Uh, what's the range of this? Self or touch? Self. Uh, self. Okay, you can so attack you can twice instead of once. So you turn, I was gonna yeah, say, you turn yourself into an angel. You, you just go up to the, like, the, the fighter and go, here you go, and slap it onto him and just take like, two steps back. Um, but you can attack twice instead of once when you take the attack action on your turn. Wow, um, that if, is, you, uh, if, if you're a rogue or a fighter, arcane trickster, this is mean. Is it a wizard spell? I, I, I need to probably just look at it. <laughs> it's transmutation. It's so sorcerer, it warlock, wizard. Yeah. That's so cool. It, but it, it's it's really, just, yeah, it's a, I don't even know how to explain what it does. Like, it's almost a transform, but just a little bit better. It's like they took, I want to be an Asimar and put it into a spell. It's well, it's like a lesser true polymorph for me. Because, like, true polymorph okay. is level nine, yep. and you could just become, yep, like an angel. But this one's like, well, you're not quite there yet, but, like, you want to be able to fly and hit things really hard. So, like, oh. I do love that there's no hit point bonus to it, though. So, like, it's not like a polymorph where you gain like a whole new sack of hit points guys 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 this is just a kale alt i don't know if we could use that (laughs) (laughs) just bleep that out (laughs) yes everyone listening i just cursed this is this is this is her at level nine yeah when she ascends yeah yeah but yeah, so actually, and it's funny that you guys both have like different takes on like, for you, it's a class feature. And for Joe, it's like, it's a spell because I wouldn't kind of get into that when we talk about personalized spells, but I want to finish like the actual spells if we're like, want to keep talking. The whole personalized spell, like part for me was a huge interest. I think we dive right into it. Okay, fine. Um, well, it makes sense because... One of the things that like I've started to like kind of mess around with the evil side is like when you do personalization is like if there's for a couple of reasons, like you could do it for more utility. Easy enough. Joe, you you did this in the West March. Um, it's could be as simple as just changing the damage type. Minor change. Fire, frost, you know, acid, small, I mean, poison. Small problems with that. Tasha's made it a little easier, but it's usually it was supposed to be feats that allowed you to do that. Mm. Okay. Like there was rules set in place that you weren't, I mean, and it's, it's homebrew, it's house rule, however you want to play it off. Yeah. These are things to talk to your DM. Yeah. Uh, like, and if the DM says, that. I will totally allow you to play a, you know, a, an evocation wizard that instead of fireball, you can do frostball. Uh, yeah. If, if you are an ice genasi, but it's just the idea that, yeah, rules were written for it. Now with Tasha's, it lets you really flavor them. Well, um, yeah, and, it and, does say specifically, you can't like change it. You can't change the effects too much. Like, so well, that's why I wanted to point out it's more of a minor effect. So, like, yep. you're not trying to change the overall scope of the spell. Now, if you want to really get into it, like, just to, to point out to, a like, an actual, like, famous reference in, like, you know, Critical Role, like, Caleb has already started using, like, his own spells that he has created. There are, that have, they're his own effects, but here's the thing, he, they absolutely, he definitely went over it with Matt beforehand, so that's what we need to say is, if yeah. you're going to try and 
if you want to bring any of these changes, you need to, it needs to be a discussion with your DM. Like it needs to because it's what are they like? What are they okay with? You know, not just it's like oh, I'm just gonna do this now. It's more of like like you have no idea. So it's just again, make it a conversation. But like I love the fact of being able to change shit. I had a what was it a storm sorcerer last night that I ran who instead of like a fireball did a concussive implosion, which is just thunder damage. So, but it's a fireball, same mechanic, just change it to thunder damage. And the flavor was really cool because it was like, there was water everywhere. Like it just shot mist everywhere. So like, that's why I chose to do it. But now with Tasha's go nuts. One of the ones I've still wanted to do for a while is play the Chronomancer. And Mm. a lot of their spells are about it. A lot of their spells are just, you know, uh, debuffs and all the rest, but you can flavor them to, I age you. Instead of I slow you and I make you, you know, go last in the turn order. Basically, I just make you, you know, I, I push you through time or, you know, where it's uh, you, you rolled a hit and I say, no, you didn't. You miss. I blink you out of existence for a split second. Yeah, I like that. Like the rules as written, cool. it just says, yeah, you cause one person that rolled a two hit to not hit. Me as a flavor can say, this is how I want that to look. You do it all the time with your artificer and like Tasha's caustic brew. It's, you know. According to the spell, it's supposed to be a cauldron that appears and shoots out green goo. You turn it into, I have, I don't even I'm remember. Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. A little nozzle comes out of my wrist and it just shoots it out. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's your, I mean, you, nail on the head. Which even and, more of a flavor, like even how it shows, for, like when I played the druid in our game, it was, I want to use druid craft. I, I screw flowers. I want flowers. I want like black rose petals. You know, you know what I mean? Like I don't want the cherry blossom. I don't want none of the cool looking fruity stuff. I just want what I want. You should be able to theme them yourself. I agree. Yeah. And it's funny that you said themes because the last part on my list is it says themes and it says match the character motif. So if there's a spell in there that you think would fit your character, if it was like this, like, don't be afraid to like, you know, be as creative as you can. I mean, it's D and D go nuts. For me, the best part is it makes, it makes combat more interesting. Cause like, don't get me wrong. I love combat, but like, you kind of a lot of times combat drops away and you get almost to the point where it's just a numbers game which for Mm -hmm. me is great but like for people who really want to be like in it like role-playing the entire time it's like you get to combat you're like i swing my sword i swing my sword again it's like it can only go so far but if you're like you know if you embellishing i like i just like how tasha's made it legitimate like we've always been doing the the adaptations to spells but this actually wrote it down in 5e that that's yeah, legit and you can do it which for, is nice but we're experienced this is like this is for people who are just getting into it who like they're just getting their feet wet to the point of where like they're starting to understand the game this is like this just helps them along the way you know which is cool it's gonna make for a lot of fun sessions going forward i would love to get into magic items it starts off with magic tattoos and i know aj had a lot he wanted to say about this well i'm no i'm not the only one who's tattooed around here but for anybody who is inked up congratulations tattoos are finally in and they can do so many things um what i've noticed and i'll go through like a few examples after i get through my little splurge here but what i noticed that that it kind of breaks down to spell effects adding class features that you don't usually have access to uh asi bonuses and maybe some resistances that's kind of like the general like gist of what i looked at and the rarity is actually equal to the coverage. The more rare it gets, the more it covers your body. So by the time you're legendary, you're looking at 
two arm sleeves, a full back, and then probably a, like a full chest piece. So that's also going to increase in time and, and increase in money. So just because you can get these doesn't mean they're going to happen right away. Like you're still going to stick and poke shit. That's going to take like probably weeks to like get it done by a skilled craftsman once you can find them. But now I'll just get right into my fit, like the ones that I liked. Basically adding any cantrip to your arsenal. Um, you can get a tattoo with adding like gems and it'll give you access to a cantrip. It's the cantrip is based upon like what the spell already uses for uh, an ability modifier based upon your own skill, like your own base scores. Uh, but you could add like firebolt, uh, mage hands, and this could, you know, it sounds like, oh, it's a cantrip, but think about putting it on like a non-spellcaster, like a fighter or like maybe like a barbarian actually giving them some a little bit of like spell casting could go a long way just saying so there's a lot of use there there's coiling grasp which kind of sounds exactly what it is you summon tendrils that allow and grap grapple your opponents which is fucking great because if they can't move that's amazing going down a little bit more uh rare is the shadow fell brand tattoo which once you get into these they're starting to get like pretty ridiculous yeah so you gain dark vision up to 60 feet and you had advantage on uh stealth checks for the end of time because it's a tattoo and it can't be removed probably until you die uh shadowy defense when you take damage you can use your reaction to become insubstantial for a moment having the damage you take then the reaction can't be used again until the next sunset so this is a rare tattoo which you know you've already added two different aspects that you didn't have access to to your player which is i think it's fucking cool and i'm evil Shadowfell fits right in for an evil character so that's why i kind of like it uh the ghost step tattoo you turn into a ghost so if you're grappled yeah that's not going to work anymore um you have a ghostly form and you get three charges and you regain you regain all expended charges daily at dawn you have resistance to bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage from non-magical attacks you can't be grappled or restrained, and you can't. You can move through creatures and solid objects as if they were difficult terrain. You, if you end your turn in a solid object, you take force damage. Uh, the spell effect ends. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like gaseous form, kind of. Yeah, you. Uh, that tattoo and mobile can uh, go away, <laughs> right? Just to be able to go, like, if you're grappled by a giant monster, like literally no hit points, you can just go, nope, and then just zip out of there. Oh, yeah, fantastic. But again, and, and these, this these is, are all going to be such good hooks for your characters. too. But this is a very rare tattoo. So we're talking like if you're, you're if one of your character wants this, obviously, like, don't know, give it make to them. Earn it. Yep. Yeah. So like, you know, like make them find the person who can do it. Have that person literally not have the supplies. So they have to go Joe find, the supplies. To find a tattoo. That's yeah. His, that's so like goal. that's what he wants to do. It's, Finding. Exactly, it's a great art. Somebody who wants to go get covered. And, you know, I like to play people who are always covered. So like for me, that's why I'm basically like, you know, flowing my load over the fact that Tasha just like kind of like free reign. Here's how it works. It's and it's awesome. the idea that once they've implemented these, you can create your own and you can do oh, other things with it. Beautifully done. It, you, um, that's what I was trying to get is like, so you could like, if there's a spell effect you want, look into that. Like a, a class feature, like a blood hunter. I know I have one character in my evil who got a blood hunter tattoo, so it allows him to like choose damage as long as he takes it, kind of giving him access to like a feature that he didn't really have. 
Yeah, uh, the tattoos are, they, they work. And I think they're very niche for what you want to use. As well as um, the ones I like are the shards. They are basically crystalline features of certain planes. The astral plane, the shadowfell plane, the Feywild, everything. Um, and based on what shard you have, when you use a metamagic option for your spells, which is you're basically, you know, helping your spells or changing your spells up slight, slightly, a bonus happens. Just to start, the Feywild shard gives you wild magic. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, hey, I, I'm not a wild mage, but when I use a meta magic option on a spell while I'm holding or wielding the shard, I can roll on the wild magic table. Oh, man, I, all the time. <laughs> yep, and it's really a once until the next dawn for each of the shards. So it's not like completely crazy, and it's just like, a, I have this, I want to use it. It reminds me, and I will always talk about them, the old school Ioun stones, which were just gems that floated above your head and it's just the idea that you know i have this on a necklace or you can even attach these to weapons the astral shard which is just a solidified shard of the astral plane you can attach it to a a tiny object such as a weapon or piece of jewelry or you can you know just so you can hold it but when you use it for this one it lets you teleport to an an occupied space within 30 feet astral plane you know, it, they, they have their reasons. The Far Realm Shard, uh, which is the coolest one if you're a Cthulhu lover or, you know, any type of warlock that just wants to go crazy. When you use a spell and you do metamagic on it, you can make a slimy tentacle through, through the fabric of reality and strike one creature you can see within 30 feet of you. It's a pretty crazy DC, uh, and they take 3d6 psychic damage and become frightened of you. So it's bonus just for a spell. Uh, yeah, that's a rare. That seems fair. Yep. I like that it's yeah. specifically for sorcerers. Yes. I feel like they don't get a lot of specific, because usually they just kind of, oh yeah, wizards and sorcerers, sure. Yeah, yeah it, that, that's what I probably should have mentioned, that it is specifically sorcerer. And, it, and it's true, because it's Feywild is roughly druidish, wild magic, yeah, the sorcerers are wild. But well, yeah. I see what they're doing here. They're giving, Instead of creating more, sorry, go ahead. The, yeah, you know, exactly what you're saying is they're giving sorcerers uh, dip into every other spellcasting class well i was gonna say is what instead of creating more sorcerer classes is they've created like kind of like little like adapters for them to be able to like tap into like other stuff to kind of give them a little bit more utility than they already have i like that i was looking at the elemental essence shard which is pretty cool but i mean that's like air earth fire so you get like a bunch of like stuff that's like specific to that but and really it's every plane has a has a shard the cooler part is it's, I mean, that's the cooler part, I should say, but it doesn't say that you can't wear more than one. Probably only limited oh. by attunement. So you could have like three hanging around your neck. They do, oh my re- God. They do require attunement by a sorcerer. By a sorcerer. Um, and I haven't completely looked into it, but there is certain classes that get more attunement, like artificers and things. You go everything, you dip one level in a sorcerer as an artificer and you just art yeah, so you cover get- like in these. Uh, in the realm of iron man you are an artificer and you dip in a sorcerer and you have all of the infinity stones oh right (laughs) that would be a cool thing that's what i was looking at these as this would be a cool storyline oh that you could do it you could like and it's like right it almost fits too perfectly and you have all of the planes as Do you think they gems. used it as like inspiration? I think it's, it's close to it. It, it, like, it has to be had, some someone connected. had to. It's got to be a little bit of a cross. Yep. 
but it's just a it's a shard of each of the planes and it's like that's kind of cool Ooh, you know you i mean you could go straight for thanos and just have like the big bad evil guys just going to collect all of these you, that's the other thing is you could make this uh storyline like you could put this as a quest for your mp for your you know your players <laughs> yes see if your players pick up on it i read a pokemon <laughs> master and my players picked up on it like the third reference <laughs> <laughs> I finally had him like they were close enough to hear him say in primordial, I choose you. And the the dude, the eye roll on their faces were just like, Oh fuck, are you really? So was his yeah. name War? No. <laughs> or did he like throw out a war? Uh yeah. I mean he he didn't get to war because he died fairly quickly once everyone realized that he had just a bunch of beasts on him. I saw the magic item and I laughed and I was just like, Oh, that's the soul coins in Ravnica. Sorry, Wait. I just got lost reading the mighty servant of Luko. Uh, you want please. a game changer for your players? Holy please shit. elaborate. Oh, man. Where to begin is two pages. It's an artifact. It's an artifact, but I'm going through the artifacts, but it looks like a lot of fun. Looks like a lot of fun. Um, it's a, a beetle. It's a, it's a construct. It's like a construct. It's an artificer's construct that, after the man died, sat inert. And it takes two people to to attune to this thing to run it, and they get inside of it, and it has its own. It's an AC of twenty two, three hundred ten hit points. I mean, strength is thirty. You know, con is twenty. Right? This thing is resistant to piercing, slashing. Anybody know know what this is? No. Does anybody seen Pacific Rim? Yeah, that's what it is. Because you have to both work together. Right. Oh my god, man. Oh man, and I'll tell you what. Everybody who's listening, do not be afraid to just oh. steal everything. That comes. <laughs> do not feel bad about it. If it's fucking form, fun, it's can't fucking send it fun. to a different plane, man. And it, and the thing is, is once every twenty four hours, the DM moves it if it's uncrewed on its own, and you oh, try so it to be like, destruction because like, there's a ghost in it from the guy who made it when he died. His soul got sucked into it. So it, and like literally, if you're if you. If it lo- if you lose half your hit points or more, each creature inside of it must succeed on a DC twenty wisdom save or be charmed. And while charmed, you go on a destructive spree, destroying destruct- structures and attacking un- unattuned creatures. So it's Pacific for twenty four hours. The, the oh, problem man, with artifacts is there's one in the world. There is you know that that it's an artifact. Uh, case in point: Baba Yaga's mortar and pestle. Baba Yaga is an actual monster yeah. a specific creature it's tasha if you were to actually go and be like i have tasha's hat that this is the one that she wore that's it for sure no i just I, it's funny i i never really get into the the uh wondrous items the the artifacts but it's it really does add more story i love it i love how it brings more of the world to it so if you want it like it would be an end game thing right like this wouldn't be you know level one oh you're dealing with the suit but you know Maybe the idea is is your uh, your players are like they have a problem that cannot be solved unless they find this suit, and now it's just like it's a hunt to go find this suit so that you can save the world. Basically, yeah, man, or just destroy the city. Simple, it disappeared. It, it, you know, could be that. <laughs> yeah, that is your not your big bad, but that is your your end game. Really, so, so, so fun though. Yep. You know, I I like those kind of items. You know, like. Uh, that get many things, things like that. It I really brings a good fantasy realm, unexpected concept to your game set. Ugh, I love it. 
Uh, the rest of Tasha's magic items are really just different ways of arcane focuses. I did want to point that out that as Tasha's is a very customized, your own, however you want, do as you wish. Everything is, you know, yours. It allows you to use different type of focuses for your anything. As an example, you know, it's the <laughs> arcane grimoire and things like that. I, you know, I, I really like how they're breaking it down and then making it so much so easy to, to do that. I really agree. Uh, the Bloodwell vial is kind of cool. You put a couple of your drops of your own blood in, and it, hey, I, I, I don't want to go get a new focus. I'm just going to bleed on this and <laughs> blood magic. Oh, so good. The Cauldron Rebirth looks pretty cool, too. You can make ma- healing potions pretty much. Crowd, you can hide in it. I would say this is a dangerous section for a bunch of DMs because I know most Look, of us. The second just... we just start talking about anything. <laughs> well, no, it's not just that. I feel like the like the second the DM, the dungeon master, like, finishes reading the first boring sections of the Dungeon Master's Guide and gets the important part, which is like the, you know, 80 pages of magic items. That's the rest of your, you know. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You start like, like, where do I put this? And where do I put that? And where do I put this? And this is there. And yep. Holy shit. I've ruined this myself exists? as a player forever because this I know all this exists now. God damn it. Like, that's, that's the worst part is the players <laughs> that either, I mean, especially now with online, the players that just go and get a DMG was the bane of our existence back in the day. <laughs> Because it's like, hey, can I get the this this magical cloak? How do you know oh, it exists? Well, that's you know, the, the good book. one. Is how do no, you know it on. exists? Exactly. Guys, personal, uh, personal story that I heard from Tom, who is uh, like a player and also DMs his own thing. He had a player who did that. He had a player who, like, he was new and he was a wizard and. Tom didn't think anything of it, apparently, but then, like, he started noticing that, like, every session this dude was on his phone, and then, like, one session he came and said, hey, where do I get uh, a Staff of the Magi? <laughs> and Tom was just like, uh, like, 13 levels from now? Like, never? Like, and it was just funny because, like, like he just, like, the, he didn't know any better, but, like, just because you know it's out there doesn't mean, like, you can just have it. Yeah, uh, as you get excited about it. You yeah, we had a, a yeah. back in third edition. I had a character that would he showed up level one. This is my game plan for my entire character. I have my every feat, every what's it called planned out, and everything. By fifth level, you know, I need to have the blade of ruination. Ooh, that is um, a micromanage down way too much. You I know, mean, but I plan. But the problem is, is when, you know, all right, guys, so you guys walk into the hotel and you're talking to Shoal and you're doing whatever. What do you guys do? Hi, uh, do you by any chance know where the Blade of Ruination is? And that, that was his goal to segue every campaign or every game to just figure out where the stuff he needed for his next couple of levels was. It's just like, why? He's like, I, I just, I heard about it from a book. And that, that was the line that always got us is I read it in a book. And I'm did just like, you, did no, you he know? did. It was the DMG. <laughs> yeah. Like. You walk your ass to the library and go read a book. That, that was the thing. Because back then it was, if you owned the DMG, you owned the DMG. And usually nobody looked at it. I remember for the longest time before I actually gave in and started DMing. I didn't know anything in that book. Really? Me either. You don't need it. First thing, so, I, don't first need thing I did was bought a DM guide. Exact, right, case in point. But I wanted a DM though, so. No, but that's the thing. You don't actually need it to DM. It doesn't have, it doesn't really have any rules in it. All the rules you need is in the player's handbook. They're more like guidelines anyway. It's all of the like, it's all of the world building and all of the like, the stuff yeah, which on the is basically, Yeah, which is what I needed at the time. But. It is a, it's a micromanaged set of rules to help you with costs and other type of balancing activities. It's yeah. the idea that they explained what a night's stay should cost and what, you know, lodgings and travel and certain other things. Yes. Player's Handbook covers everything. 
Speaking of Dungeon Master tools. Which segues us right yeah. into what every DM is going to scream at no. is the tools. Oh, I love these. This is like my, I'm so excited for this part. Because for me, it's just some of it's stuff that like, you know, now they're like, oh, we probably should put this in the first one. But like, obviously, yep. like the session zero. I mean, oh, we don't need- I'm glad they wrote it down. I think we did a whole podcast on this. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I walked into fifth edition with the South Marches, not knowing what Go a session and check zero it out and was. Review. Like, it, how wrong we are. Our, on our, our previous, did we do it, a podcast on session zero? I think we did. Yeah. If not, we're going to. Uh, if we didn't, it, like, look, <laughs> if we didn't do a whole podcast on it, it was a good chunk of one. Yeah. No, I walked into South Marches, not know what it is. Honestly, um, it was just like, what? Like, and, and I admit, as soon as I, as soon as we explained what it was and the talks that you go through and the, and it's still a little different to me because we've had session zeros to where, Hey, this is my game. This is what I plan to run. These are the topics that will be contained. Does anybody have a problem with this? How do we enact on boundaries. these? Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. How do we enact on these boundaries? That was, that was new to me as a session zero because I always ran what I wanted to run. And there was an occasionally a player that didn't show back up because they didn't like that. I tortured the, you know, the half elf because they were captured by a bunch of drow, things like that. And I didn't like the torture. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but that's that exactly. But then there's session zeros that make it to where this is how you guys all met up. So on day one, we don't have to do four hours of what's your name. What do you look like? Helps, yeah, helps jump uh, right into it, right? Yeah, I was going to build off of that is I think that a I think part of a good like successful su- session zero would be like what you were saying with like going over like this is my character. This is what this is what he or she or they look like. This is their drives. This is their motives. This is what they're doing. And like these are my boundaries. And then I also think that like there should be a little bit of eh, maybe not like in-depth role player combat, but there should be a little bit of like dipping your toes into what the session is going to feel like with all of you together, just to feel what the chemistry is going to be like, because I mean, it could just lead to a Rocky, like, you know, first session if you're not fully prepared. So, but that's, you know, that's my little bit. Do it. If you haven't, if you're starting a session, do it. Do a session zero. It's, it can only help. It's not going to make it. it, It's (laughs) It's not going to make it any worse. Yeah. What's it going to do? Get weirder. Like it's funny that you call it a session zero. It's just that there should be, I mean, if you want to make it a, it's session one, technically. Yeah, it, yeah. But the idea, I think session zero is really should have, you should not implement any aspect of your campaign into it. Yeah, it have should, it be yeah, a conversation. It, yes, it is a small outside interaction that you do not reveal. Like you could, you could be like, all right, and at, at the end of it, you know what I mean? And you guys all appear on a cart heading into, you know, here. Yeah, exactly. So sidekicks. Sidekicks are fun. Group and- this is something for me. I... I feel like, especially if you were playing a game with like not as many people, like if you only had a group of like or two or three, three, I feel like sidekicks. Some help, yeah. Like it would be. It would, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they do have combat ben- benefits, and I mean, maybe like a sidekick for the whole. Here's group. the problem with sidekicks: you're playing two characters. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's what, like playing three, three, two cards at bingo. But what you can do is, if you're going to be running NPCs anyway, you might as well just use the, you can use the sidekick as basically the, like the conductor of the railroad. Yeah. So like everything funnels through that. Like I did it with my local campaign because I only had two people in it for like the first five sessions. So I ran him with an NPC ranger that they found and like he was basically the linchpin for every session. He was like guiding them through it. Like they followed him around the nose. That's so. not necessarily a sidekick. That's more of the like DM NPC. 
Yeah, or the you know, like the, the MacGuffin still, of a sort. Yeah, he's the, still, still hanging make, around there. But like, instead he's of still doing with that, them. Instead but of that's doing the thing. That, you can run a, side, as a sidekick. A sidekick is run by the players. Is yes. that's, that's the big difference. So, you're right, John. It's another character. They're running two characters. Yeah. And it's- Which I like the idea because it gives you options as to who plays it. The, uh, uh, a player plays the sidekick as their second character. So, hi, I'm Batman, and I have this small little halfling named Robin um, okay. that I can control what he does. Which is cool because if there's only two or three of us, you know, th- now there's a fourth. Uh, a player plays a sidekick as their only character. Which is a little weird. I don't quite. Why catch. would you do that? Why would it's you create just, a character that plays sidekick? You know, like we've said before, it, this game is designed for all sorts of people, including okay. younger folks. So, like, if me and I don't know someone, and then their kid wants to play, and their kid is ten, you build them a sidekick character. They have like the same Easy. group of actions, but Still it's not. Level up. Yeah, it's Part not like they, a yeah, full they also have. They're not classes. They are specific builds. Exactly. So it's just like, dink, dink, dink. it might be a way to like, if someone's like, I'd love to play d d but like, I don't know if I'm really committed. It's like, here, here's a sidekick character. You're going to play for like three That's sessions. That's a great idea, Joe. Where do you and come up with this stuff? Honestly, sidekicks are Diablo-esque. It is a small little, yeah. it, it's a distraction. You know, either I have a spell, depending on what class is in your party as well. Hey, we're a druid, a warlock, and a whatever the hell else we were. We don't really have any tanks. Let's yeah. get a sidekick that's a warrior. Mm-hmm. That's and he doesn't have any extra abilities. He just has a really high AC, a bunch of HP, and he that's it. Me. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I had him I had to meet a ranger because they needed to track in the wilderness. And I think sidekicks could be cool in a sense as you make them as minimal as possible. So if you do have the three of us and we're playing with a sidekick, all you do is you just establish the idea of, all right, it's my turn and I don't want to actually play two characters and get into conversations with another, you know, back and forth. You're not the DM. You're not going to be like, so well, what are you doing today? And then she looks over here and says, well, how about this? You know, you just have a conversation with yourself. Or you give this to a DM who's a player in a campaign who like needs to be distracted and you give them two characters. Yeah. But the idea that you just say, hi, this is my sidekick. His name is Braun. All he has is a shield and a sword. All he will ever do is move his 30 feet and attack. Yeah. And that's it. He is, you know, he is set for flank. That, that's it. He's just a bonus character to mitigate action economy <laughs> it, it is it's a way of ba- especially because like you can play D with one or two people so like yep. if you only had two you could give each of them their own sidekick now you have a party of four now it's um, a little bit more fleshed out they can like yeah and it's cool because there's options that the players can jointly play it which yeah. is you can call, like no no come on over here help me okay you know or you can have certain people alternate which i think would be cool if you had a sidekick that each week a different player played yeah, like Ooh. controlled, not played and as. What you could do is, uh, well, kind of building off that, like it could be like, let's say like a Warforge that just responded to whoever commanded it. Yep. So the last person who commanded it to do something, it's listening to you. So one of your players was like, well, I just use Ovi because that's my Warforge name. So it's like, Ovi, go over there and like stand guard and he'll do that. But if someone else goes, Ovi, I need your help. And he like, that's when he like switches. So you could do it like that if you yep. wanted to. Man, I think that brings us into parlaying. If it's and I want, I was really excited looking at that because. What do you mean, peace? Par- parlaying with mo- monsters. What is that? <sighs> what do you do? Oh, it, everybody always wants to talk to it. Always, right? Like you, you can put every, you can put whatever you want from them. They're like, oh, can we try to talk to it? This actually lays out a way that okay, maybe they actually can talk. And I know it's not everybody's 
favorite way to go about it, but it really just, in case you get stuck or they roll good on a persuasion check you weren't looking for, and it gives you an idea of how they can talk to the different monsters that are presented in all of 5e. So, I don't know. Did you guys look through it? I, I know what I'm, parlaying I'm, is, I'm and parlaying is more of a, hi, you're walking into this evil lair, and there's a giant wolf that is staring at you with bloodthirsty intent. The bard goes, I want to talk to it. That's what I'm saying. And this actually breaks it down. I mean, look, dragons. What the they creature want, should eat you. Like, yeah, well, well, I mean, come on. I mean, that's the thing, though. It lays it out how it should work. So, like, like it if it's a wolf, it's a beast. And you'd be like, I take a giant piece of meat and throw it over into the woods. And the wolf yeah. goes, oh, well, fuck. And yeah, you just, said, yes. Like, uh, uh, like unfortunately, parlaying <laughs> is usually used by, hi, I want to go up to this guard and hand him a giant stack of money. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I'm too used to parlaying. That's how I play parlaying, like, especially like with call. Well, I think I think that's cool. because typically you were you were kind of shoehorned into only parlaying with like they humanoids. Break- now yeah. it's like, oh, if you're a dragon, like you could you have ways Loses. of like doing offerings. Like, yeah, with uh, like. Let's just say it is kind of cool that it gives you. Uh, I think clock. it's weird for parlaying against non-intelligent creatures. Oozes. <laughs> yeah. So like. What do they want? Metal that I can consume. You just you feed it. You give it, you give it a piece of your it. armor. That's, that's and really it what it is. Away. But the better part it. is it's it. the so the better part is it tells you again. how you would know what to use. It tells you the role that you should make that to, to figure it out. Rather than yes, I know an ooze wants to have this metal, so I'm just gonna throw this piece of armor over there. No, it's roll an arcana check. Or yeah, I like And that. if you roll low you don't know what to do. Giant? I mean, but then there's the player meta-ing that says, I'm just going to do it anyways. Well, the booze is going over there to go eat it. Well, now you you can't fix meta. Like, yeah. it's unfortunately, that's just something that it's going to be. I like, like, it. I like that. that it gives you an option, though. Like, giants. Yeah, like, there, I, do that. I had a, people go to a giant compound, and they were like, oh, we don't want to kill him. Um, let's, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. You know, like, I was, it was when I was a little newer, but, you know, it, it, this actually breaks it down at least. Like, oh, maybe I could have had them barter with these giants instead of just stumbling over my words all the time. The quick thing with parlaying with certain creatures, though, is your party will develop very strong allies, as in big beasts on their side. Yeah, well, well that's when that's that's when you're the DM and you go, oh, yeah, by the way, it's not going to stay with you throughout this entire thing. It's yeah. Gonna, <laughs> like, that's things gone. I mean, I mean doesn't uh, Eris have a bunch of Hydras? Uh, no, those are... Cheshire, she does. On Cheshire. Oh, 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 which, Cheshire. by the way, Joe, we, we need to talk about <laughs> she introduced. She introduced them to Whitestone. Anyways. Um, the environmental ha- hazards, I think it really... It, it, it's expanding on what's on the DM's guide, but I really like it. I like how they break down a lot of different effects that can happen in different areas. Uh, did you see the in- like infested looks cool? Like They come back to a town and have... Uh, oh, unbelievable. Haunted... It really broke it down and had a lot of effects that really can definitely, definitely make your game exactly what you want it to be. Did you see any of the ones that you um that you guys like um, specifically? Well, I'm always down for some spooky stuff, so haunted looks fun. The mirror zone was my favorite, the one I actually read through the most. Like, it's pretty cool. It's a whole separate world that you can just. It's I don't want to get too in depth because it's a lot of just reading on these, but really like. It, it can really modify what you a lot of psychic whole psychic area like we brought into place, especially like if they're playing psychic hunting, hunting areas. Happen. Some of the more psychic uh, character builds that that are early in this chapter, they really kind of show you how you can place that like in your world and from from anything, anything really. 
it, it's really abandoned. alternatives to add to a town or a location or it's a just the mimic colony a whole colony of mimics that don't want you to find out because they don't want to get destroyed so they'd rather they actually live peacefully with you it's pretty live side by side with you like it's so cool. yeah don't worry my house is alive it's magic like, mushrooms in the enchanted power. springs d10 mushroom effects Oh man, they're cool. They really are cool. Well, uh, like I said, welcome to Flavor Town. So this is like the juvenile mimic. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. It looks. I would love to do the mimic colony. Even like maybe that'll be our next mini mini arc for the West March guys. I'll mm-hmm. I'll have you all start in a mimic colony. We're all mimic tamers. We're just all mimics. Oh, and it gets better. Oh man, I'm in. I'm in. No, I think <laughs> I, like- I think that. They're pretty cool, though. The inf- infested one, I don't know if I could do. I'd be itching the whole time thinking there's spiders all over my house. <laughs> that would freak me out. I like it. It's like a, it's a, a way for me. It's a way to like introduce a, if you want something crazy to happen or spice it up. Or if you're like, you don't quite want to get into planar travel yet because your group's not like level, I don't know. But like you want to introduce the in- effects of a plane, like the mirrored zone or you know, having psychic residents, it could be like the planes are starting to overlap or something like that. And it's kind of the psychic, it's like the buffering based. zone between planes. Classic it's also two separate topics that we're discussing here. One is supernatural regions, which is like an area that's based on that. The other is just a small little example, like an eldritch storm or uh, enchanted spring. The mimic colony is kind of cool, uh, but magic mushrooms, the same way. Still cool. Whoa. For all you deadheads. I, I also like at the very end where they go into like having an avalanche. That's a cool new thing you can throw into your game. It really breaks it down specifically 300 feet wide, 150 feet long, 30 feet thick. I don't know. Uh, falling into water, they really break in. Falling onto a creature, the damage done. and uh, I don't know. It, gives, it gives rules to it is really Which what is it cool. is. Yeah, new rules to really flesh it out a little bit more. Puzzles. I'm just, I'm impressed they actually implement, you know, it's funny though, is because they put them in a book. Like, I don't know if I could ever use them because I'm not going to read them. I'm purposely not reading through them. I don't want to ruin them. And we're not going to go into details on any of these because we don't want to ruin it for years. You shouldn't use a puzzle unless you make it up yourself. Disagree with that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Next time you, next time you make a puzzle and you didn't tell me that you didn't make it yourself. I'm Googling it. Why would you? I mean, that's why you make it up yourself. Purposely ruin it. it. Or better yet, just well, that's always like the really, that's always really the thing, right? Is... Puzzle and watch your players struggle. Yep. No man. Well, that's usually I look up puzzles for like five, six year olds. That's usually what I try to find because <laughs> and it's fun. It's, like it's fun when you do a riddle, but it, it's fun, but it's not as fun when you do a riddle and the players like water. Like just that is they, fun, but just <laughs> it's they, like it's either water time or we tell people yeah. to steal from everywhere, and I mean that still steal or, your or a key. My favorite yep. part is when I put the riddle in the party and I have three chats sending me with people that are just listening. Wait, <laughs> is it this? I think I think the one thing that really and like JT said, we won't give any of the puzzles away, but I think my favorite is the hint check yes. spot and like trying to work that into either these puzzles or puzzles you make because players and characters like players always want to roll the dice to try and solve a puzzle. And for me, that like defeats the purpose. But like it's also like, oh, uh, my character's a genius. They obviously should know. It's like, OK, well, fine. You know, it. you set you have a DC that it gives them a hint. It doesn't give away the whole thing. But like, OK, yep. yeah, I like it. Roll for a hint. Uh, I, I can't if they're really doing a terrible you make job all of your puzzles yourself i can't get over this you never reuse the puzzle from somebody else 
No, I'm, I'm kidding. It was oh, the idea I was that say wild. if you like all puzzle with the internet age, all puzzles are available to everybody is the problem. Yeah. It's, but, it's, it's, it's the same people that use of the door that's speak friend and you may enter. I mean, for sure. There's some more widely known than others, but still, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of puzzles in the end of this book that there, I, there doubt, is, I mean, unless you want cool to sit ones. down and read through it. I will say that all of the puzzles in Ravnica have been my own design, which is why they last so long and why it's, then again, a puzzle, as we, uh, as I can, at least can see, that all a puzzle is to me is a stall. This is specifically meant for you and your players to burn an hour, 20 minutes of the session time. Well, it's Yeah, it, it's just something to do to mix it up instead of mix just doing up. like yep. linear yeah. combat. Yep. And uh, like. in, in, a, in a sense of how I always get into LARP talk, to me, puzzles are meant for the non-combat folk. We all know that Joe loves combat and he that's why he that's why he shows up every week to DD because he wants to hit something there's some people that love the the descriptions of their magic and the how they enact their character as such with aj and you know uh xander is like you're very detailed and intricate with every design every spell every this is what this does i love i you know there's some people that want to do the intellectual side of solving the riddles solving the puzzles solving just a lot of like i want to watch the show and figure out what the ending is you know they they try to guess your your plot themes and your your go-tos in a large perspective that's what happens there puzzles are meant for the people that aren't into the combat however in larp what we have is the problem of divination and i hope all of my friends are listening to this uh simply because there are the people that walk up to a puzzle that is a padlock that has a sequence that you have to unlock and they just go i wish to cast intervention does it open or it's a big number puzzle, like a mathematical equation, and they say, divine aid, hey, God, what's the answer? Because they don't want to do it themselves. And as a magic marshal or a, you know, as a specific type of DM, in a sense, do you just be like, yeah, here it is. Good, good job. You cast a spell and you finished my puzzle. So for me, if, it, if they have burned something significant, okay. Like if you're, like if you're yes. a cleric and you sit there and you burn a class feature to like sit there and like commune with your god to get the answer then okay like you have used something to do it but just to sit there and be like yeah it's water no that i like i don't know like that for yeah, me yeah. that's a little hard yeah. of a spell if you use the spell but then again if you've used a couple of spells as a dm was like hey you got it it's water well get, here's the next riddle do you have another uh, one of those there you go <laughs> like uh, that girl at the oh, i'll never forget that with every riddle it's one of the other thing is with puzzles. It's is certain players enjoy them. Certain players don't. This yeah. is for the players that enjoy them. One of the coolest puzzles I've seen. And once again, online kind of limits us in a way. One of the coolest puzzles that I've seen back in my day was, Hey, you find a chest. It is locked. All right. I want to pick it. And he puts a chest on the table. Go ahead. And it was literally one of those puzzles like you would see on YouTube nowadays where there's like eight different slides and only a specific way to open it in a, in a possible kind of like a Chinese puzzle box, I think is what it was. Mm, but that's what it was. Ways. And it was you as the players have to open it if you want what's in it. It had no detriment to the story. I think they carried it for like a week trying to figure it out. And eventually like they messaged us in like the middle of the week. We're like, I got it. What was in it? Five gold. Was it worth it? <laughs> But it was cool in a sense of like, well, here's your puzzle. Good luck. It's the same thing as I always attribute it to just, hey, you guys find a door and it has a weird magical arcane lock on it. And just put a Rubik's Cube in the middle of the table. 
Oh man, <laughs> I, I, I have a couple of friends that will solve that in a minute. That that they have spent the time to learn how to do those type of Rubik's cubes. Oh damn! But I think it gets back to like you said. Some people don't like it, and and yes, we go back to session zero. You know, hey, I'm going to be doing puzzles. They're going to test your abilities. Is that yep. something that you guys would be interested in? You know, like it just communicate as we always say but in terms of like the rubik's cube i put a rubik's cube in front of you and i say in order to get through the door to the big bad evil guy you have to turn that rubik's cube and solve it if you were to be like i want to make an intelligence check to kind of figure this out i'd give you bonuses you know what i mean i'd be like okay you don't actually have to solve it things like that fair enough fair enough okay like get a side or something yeah like uh, puzzles are cool it, it does help and it does give a different element to your games i'm not saying don't use them i'm saying spread them out a little bit but also you need to Base it based on your players. Yes, that's the thing. If you don't have any people in your game that like puzzles, then it, yeah, it, no, the other thing is right. like you might have a game where you, and it, I think the biggest thing for me as a DM is like if you have someone at your table who enjoys puzzles and they like you put a puzzle down and they get really excited and all of the other players roll their eyes, you as the DM go, the rest of you can sit here for five minutes <laughs> and let this. Well, because this person sits on their hands while you guys role play for six hours trying to, you know, yes, yeah, you pander to the specific type of player, exactly. Like, everyone gets their spotlight, so yep. like, yeah. don't kill and a, that should absolutely be a rule. Like, you know, everyone, everyone should get limelight, goes but, um, it as well as during once again, bringing it back to the LARP during certain aspects while uh, these players are doing the puzzle, you're usually getting attacked. And D&D, once they're doing a puzzle, it's not really happening as much, but you could implement that. Very little, <laughs> very little low-level minions that are just constantly hitting to make the other players like, I got to go stop it. Like, yes. And you yeah. do it by the person that's solving the puzzle. If a minion gets to them and hits them, they, you know, they kind of have to make a concentration check to, to keep doing the puzzle. So then your party is just forming a barricade. That's cool. I like that idea. That's actually... that. They yeah, really put it like because you've done the whole I, I've done puzzles where you put the sand timer and you like flip it over and you're like the room is filling with sand. Yep. Like yep. so there's a timer and then all of a sudden it gets like the puzzle gets that much more intense. Yeah. How do but, I plug the where the sand's coming from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like I, I don't think anybody here was in the the Ravnica one where I had three orbs that were different colors. It was red, green, and blue, and you had to move them from one side of the room to the other. And there was like three doors that would open based on which spot they were in. And it was just a get all three balls to the other side of the room was the puzzle. Mm, it took the players an hour and a half. And I said to myself, man, I originally planned for things to attack you during it. And this is a bad idea if they yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah. 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 The playing soccer with the orbs. Uh, it, it was, it was, yeah. Well, it was funny because they're like, they all forgot about one orb and they're just, they're just like, what if we put it on this one? And then it's just mathematics. It's three orbs, eight different locations. You just go one to each. You know what I mean? It's like the button combination of like, yeah. if I push this button, nope, doesn't turn on. I push this button, it's lights out. Yeah, I like that. I think that brings us to the end of Tasha's. That is all oh, of Tasha's. Oh my, my God. goodness gracious. This only took us forever, but I loved it. And I hope you guys loved it too. Thanks for we listening. Made it. I mean, long in the short of it, guys, let's give the the review. Yeah, right? <laughs> Do you actually like Tasha's? I love it. I can't wait to play it more. I'm excited to bring it in. I, I like it. For me, I mean, anytime they add an expansion that's not just more monsters, I I enjoy it because, I don't know, anything else you can add to this game to try and keep it interesting, I'll take it. I agree. I like it because it lays out a clear guideline for, I guess, to for creativity. It really helps people who may be struggling with ideas or maybe like looking to add or change things about their game to maybe just 
make it easier and give them examples because like, you know, it just, I think that that's really what Tasha's does um, well is just it, uh, it kind of presents all the information clearly for the people who would need it to like add customization to the game. I, I really, I, uh, why you guys gotta make me the pessimist, make me the odd guy out. Cause I, no, no, actually, I, I'm kidding. I, uh, I like it. In, <laughs> I was gonna it, say, I, I actually could have almost pegged you for that, but anyway. I am the eternal <laughs> pessimist. I'm sorry. Um, there are no. things I don't like about it. There are things that I wish that they didn't include, but in terms of as a DM, I like the idea of it frees up a lot of customization and questions. It makes it a lot easier accessible and it gives players more class like play with as I, I don't know how to like more sculpting i yeah. guess you would call it that's a good way to put it being able to like be, being able to carve out exactly what your character wants to be exactly well thanks yeah. for listening good metaphor we'll we're gonna the, be coming the, back with you in a bit with a new podcast about tpks coming in next week or so after this airs of course so give it some time but um other than that i think we're moving forward for new dork coming up as always, we're doing more Twitch stuff as we get more and more used to it. Uh, uh, we can. Facebook is out there if you guys want to check us out. Say hi. Someone actually reached out to me on Twitter. Thank you for doing that. We will keep you updated and feel free to drop us a line. And 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 seriously, be vocal about it. if you if you want us to explore a topic that you're interested in, hit us with it because we may be we may want to talk about it, but you know. We it might not be in the forefront of our minds. If it's not a topic, just feel free to have a spitball something. If you want like a session thrown out, and you can easily create one, or you know, if you have an idea as to how we would run it, ask. Yeah, for sure. Keep... Almost like a session, like portfolio review. Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. Whatever like, works. Yeah, reach out to um, us. And if you have anything. any other opinions on Tasha's, please let us know as well. We just like talking about D and D. Write us reviews as well. We need them. Yes, go to wherever you listen to this podcast and give us five stars and say, hey, wow, these guys are really interesting to listen oh, to. Oh, clear and yeah. concise. Thanks, guys. Catch you soon. <laughs> yeah, stay safe out there, you guys.